0: What do you think when you hear about a person who is avoiding news? Lazy? Inactive? The anti-citizen? What if that person is, in fact, so immersed in the news cycle that he, she or they take drastic measures to stay sane? This is one finding from a new study by Tali Aharoni and her co writers in Israel. They did interviews with young adults about their news consumption without knowing that avoiding the news would surface as a major theme. For this first episode of this podcast, I called her to find out more about these news avoiders. Turns out, There is an abundance of reasons behind the decision these young citizens have taken. Why not to stay in the loop all the time? This is Keywords, a podcast about research that's out there but doesn't get enough of attention. Welcome.
1: I'm excited to be here and to participate in your podcast.
0: I'm it's so happy you me, are. So yes, first time for, for me as well. Me. Thank you and I'm, I'm super excited to hear about the study we're gonna talk about today. and uh, it's connected uh, definitely to this topic that you're uh, in, in too about trust and mis- distrust in, in news mm-hmm. media. Um, So we will get to that, Um, but uh, also we're going to talk about news uh, use and the avoidance of that among young people. Right. Uh, But I wanted to ask you first, uh, how's your news use been for the past year?
1: Um, That's a great question. So actually, it's quite complex, I think, because um, in Israel, beside of having the COVID uh, pandemic, I'm not sure if you uh, if you know this, but it, it has been quite a crazy year in terms of politics. Uh, we had three rounds of, of elections, of national elections in less than one year. So um, 2019, Gosh. we had two rounds of elections and 2020, we had uh, another one. And now we're currently in the middle of a fourth round of another elections in the end of March, so um and and i also for my for my dissertation i also work on a study about these elections so Uh for me at the beginning of this year i tried to really not only tried like i I feel like i consumed much more just to keep up Mm. with all of the changes and all of the um the crazy dynamic in politics Um, Mm. but then on the other hand around March when we had the first lockdown um I feel like um as we started to have like more and more coverage and negative coverage on the covid on on the sick people on hospitals I felt like I kind of needed a break from from this mm-hmm. so I think I can say that I avoided the news for a while. Mm-hmm. I try to limited the times, the number of times that I'm checking, uh, you know, uh, the news websites or the television uh, broadcast, because it Mm. was, you know, it's a combination of being stuck alone, isolated at home 24 seven. So you have more time to consume and there is more coverage, but it's also more depressing and it affects you more. So Mm. it, it has been a bumpy, a bumpy year. Yes, for sure.
0: Like who has been able to avoid the news for the past year? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, And the uh, one who who did that, please, please reach out to us and tell how (laughs) how you did that. Exactly. (laughs) So today we're going to then talk about young Israelis who are avoiding news. And uh, this is about the time before the pandemic. So we can only speculate how each and everyone has been consuming news for the past year. And especially the, the, with this right. uh, also like ever, never stopping news cycle in Israel, then with the, the politics and everything, it sounds really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but can you then tell me about the this context that we are in, when it comes to the media landscape in Israel? I know nothing about it.
1: I mean, I might be biased here because I'm from Israel, but I think it's a really fascinating context to study news use and news consumption. Because on the, on the one hand, Israel is, you know, it's embedded in an, a really long and ongoing violent conflict. So it's a, it's a very event-saturated and news-saturated culture. And in line with this, Israelis are uh, very devoted to consume the news. They are very. They have mm-hmm. this um, strong sense of civic obligation to keep up with um, with consuming the news. Um, mm-hmm. Both, you know, older Israelis and, and young adults. And in different studies, um, Israel is even described in terms of, uh, you know, Israelis are described as news ju- news junkies. Mm. Um, it's quite a paradoxical context to examine news avoidance precisely because of that. It's interesting to see, um, in such a country that is very political, very, very polar- polarized, very, you know, people are not shy, uh, to talk about politics and, and they're very involved, uh, to see, uh, when and how people, uh, choose to avoid the news.
0: hmm and and it's relatable i guess we 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 might be news junkies but there i at least hope and think that there every individual can reflect on on their own use and and think about it uh, when we are so saturated with news today
1: exactly and also because of the saturated context i think that sometimes and we, we see it in our study that sometimes people feel an overload of, of news. So just being exposed to yes. too much information, too much is going on. Um, so this is like the extreme can also cause the the uh, opposite effect of, of avoiding, of not wanting to 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 being exposed to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Are we in so far into the internet era now that we are actually starting to reflect on this, that uh, how much information we have?
1: News avoidance is not a new thing. People have been avoiding the news for, I think, ever since there has been news to avoid. Um, But I think that, and for me, reading the literature and, and seeing other studies, I think that there has been a shift in the way researchers and people perceive it. Because, you know, 20, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, um, news avoidance has been generally been regarded as a negative thing. And, you know, especially young adults who who have been avoiding the news were accused of being, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not good citizens mm-hmm. and disinterest in politics. Um, so this was the main perception. But I think that now, with all of the information when we are connected all the time and we're not, it's not like um, we need to sit only at eight o'clock in front of the television or the radio, it's all the, all of the time. So avoiding it or disconnecting is a natural thing. And it's more and more being regarded not as a normative. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I'm not sure we need to, to check it in a, maybe in a study. But I feel like that there has been a shift because of the saturated information environment and the social media, and we are basically exposed to news all of the time, but at the same time, we can also more easily disconnect it.
0: Hmm, Exactly. So we can say that time is luxurious for, for the individuals today, And so is the option we do have of not like being constantly online and checking the news.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that more and more studies are starting to refer news avoidance as something healthy is something that you must do from time to time.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and we have uh, uh, phones uh, checking our screen times and amount of notifications we, we get every day. And, and uh, it really helps to reflect on, on your own use. As you write uh, in the article, earlier research has shown that there are an array of uh, reasons, motives behind avoiding news. Mm -hmm. What uh, reasons to uh, avoid news did these individuals have?
1: So basically there has already been a lot of writing on news avoidance. As I said, it's it's not a, a new phenomenon. And there, you also mentioned before that there is um, an array of reasons for avoiding the news. And some of them are related to the negativity of news and to the emotional um, just reaction and response to this negativity. There's also a lot of writing on um news distrust mm. uh, which i also uh focus on for my PhD so naturally when you distrust a content you're more motivated to um just not consume it not follow mm. it because it's biased it's fake so why should I why should I read it why should I be exposed to it um also you know disinterest in politics um or just sometimes as we also mentioned before just having um, an intense coverage of a certain national or global event. So for example, in the in the UK, um, there was mm-hmm. an increase in news avoidance in relation to the coverage of the Brexit uh, referendum, or in the US in response to the 2016 uh, US election. And we also, when there's a negative or um, mm-hmm. just a lot of coverage of an event, mm-hmm. uh, national or global, uh, people start to to avoid it, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, g- this is just uh, in a nutshell, but I think that what is, you know, the the, the common den- denominator of these reasons is mm. that they're all connected to the content itself of news. So we felt while reviewing the literature for this paper, we felt like. Um, most of the researchers explain news avoidance in terms of the content. I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, people don't want to be exposed to this specific content because they don't believe it, because they feel like it's intuitive, etc. cetera. As I said before, um, news consumption is not only about the information. It's not only about the content. It's also an activity that involves um, ritual habits. And also there's, Mm-hmm. Material aspect of it. So there is the, the tangible objects through which we consume the news. It can be um, the printed newspaper. It can be the television. Can even be the, you know, the algorithms that shape the information that we are exposed to on our social media feeds, for example. Mm-hmm. And just while we were interviewing the people, and while I was going over the materials. Um, I just realized that in some cases, avoiding the news is not only about avoiding news contents. Uh, rather, um, it can be related to the media platforms to which the information is being consumed.
0: Uh, we will get back to that in in a while. But this is so eye opening for legacy media and establishment media how they approach towards the like young users should be or could be or ought to be because they have quite the criticism these individuals in in your study about even like right. how uh, that they avoid certain media platforms and now we talk about not not the artifacts but but the like certain media like online for example yeah. a brand because of even like who writes for this
1: Yeah, even just avoiding a specific journalist because they dislike Uh it or think that he's, you know, too left wing, too Mm -hmm. right wing, uh, just disagree with him and then they won't, you know, even if they will be, there was one person who said that even when he was exposed to this journalist who he really dislikes, he just close the article that uh, this friend shared with him or that he was exposed to on Facebook. So we do find, I mean, that the content motivations are really, really important here. So we do find in our in our study as well that um, a lot of times people avoid
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, avoid the news because of its content. Uh, so because they disagree with the, with the opinions, because they just perceive it as too extreme, or too political or they even because they disagree with the person who shared it on Facebook, not even the news content itself. Right,
0: right. And it's such a paradox also also going back to this, what you said earlier about the reasons uh, to avoid and how media is doing their job, writing a lot of stuff about certain really like global or major domestic political happenings. And then it's kind of, if it's, that's too much, like we, to find that fine line that, okay, we're reporting on this, so you have information and knowledge about this, you're informed, but where to draw the line so it's not an abundance of this certain topic that will lead to this avoidance um, effect.
1: Right. This is a a real problem, actually. I mean, even when I was interviewing people, I saw that even the most engaged and informed and interested people, when they feel like the the media is repeating something too much, right. they just opt out of of consuming it. So for example, um, we conducted the interviews before COVID times, but I, I can assume that um, we have mm-hmm. similar... F- you know, similar dynamic happening now, but when we were conducting the interviews, um, we had a lot of um, corruption investigations in Israel of the prime minister. And it was really interesting to see that both um, the people who, the, the right wing people who supported the prime minister and thought that the media is just accusing him and the people who at the beginning thought that the media is um doing something good by covering it and were really against the prime minister, both sides of this uh both both political sides were just yeah. fed up with the coverage. they yeah. just said, I think it's really important, but I can't see it anymore. Anytime I hear a journalist talk talking about it, I just turn off the radio, I just right. turn off the television.
0: so enough is so, enough
1: <laughs> yeah and I wonder I, I really... I was wondering whether journalists know this. I think that they really cover this topic because it's important and it is crucial for people to know and they want to give all the information. But then, as you said, where where is the line? When, when it becomes too much, yeah. people just stop listening. It's really interesting to...
0: Yeah. So that's one take that uh, the media... People listening to this might take out of this that 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 be more um, conscious of how much you actually produce of certain things that where when your audience might have had enough of that. It's of course it's super hard to say, but like if if they're thinking that that we need to write about this topic because this is what the people want, this is like the major topic of of our country right now maybe there is another side to it.
1: Right. Yeah, this is one maybe way to think about it, but I think it's worth saying that um, we, we've talked about the different reasons or different motivations for avoiding the news. So I think all of the reasons that are related to the content are really challenging to, um, you know, to to overcome um because when someone feels like for example news is fake and you can trust it it's it's a really hard thing to change and i th- i believe that if journalists want to change it and i believe that they do yes it will require a long process of changing the way news are produced um so for example um, there are a lot of studies who show that increasing transparency online uh-huh. or just exposing, I don't know where uh, sharing links to uh-huh. the sources or sharing the process of the, the back the backstage of um, news consumption can increase um, audiences uh-huh. trust, for example. But it is a complex thing to resolve. I think that, Maybe, if there are journalists who are listening, uh, what is more easily to maybe relate to are the more materialistic reasons for avoidance. Hmm. Tell um, us because, about that. Um, yeah, because when someone we, we see in our study that the medium we call it the, the medium avoidance, not the in, in contrast to the content avoidance. So the medium avoidance, I think that ev- almost everyone do it because it's a part of our media use it's a part mm-hmm. of that digital environment that we live in we take breaks from time to time even the most engaged mm-hmm. people or you know when you're in a family vacation or mm-hmm. there's a, a workload um, that you're experiencing so you you consume less and because this because of this temporality i think it's more easy to overcome this so for example just combining uh, Mm -hmm. legacy news or online news with entertainment uh, content. I don't know if you're familiar with the phenomenon of um, incidental news consumption.
0: No, tell us.
1: So basically, it's a a concept that describes news consumption when it's not intentional. Right. So it's very common, um, especially in young populations, Uh um, that they just... You know, they use social media, for example, for other purposes, not for being informed. They use social media for just social purposes or Uh to consume uh, entertainment, to keep in touch with people. And then incidentally, without uh, having the intention to consume news, they, you know, they just come across news content. They see that something happened. They see um, this joke or parody about Um, for example, an interview that was conducted with the Prime Minister and someone remixed it with a funny song. And this is how they learn about Uh this interview. Right. So this um, encouraging people, encouraging young adults to be more prone to this incidental news consumption can maybe, maybe, I mean, we need to research that, but help with news avoidance.
0: Right. And th- that's actually super fascinating if you you anchor it to what media houses worldwide are doing when they want to reach out to the, the younger, even like children and, and teenagers with their content and how you could look into like what the methods are of exposing this, this demographic to incidental news stories. Um, And it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't always have to be that the sender is the original media. It can be another consumer who is doing something with that or with some news happening. So they are the news producers as well.
1: Right. And you also see it in more legacy forms of of news media. For example, a lot of uh, nations that have like a national broadcasting, they just um, they juxtapose the content. So, I mean, they they schedule the news broadcast right before, I don't know, a, a final of a reality TV show. Ah. Then people want to see the reality show, right. but they just, you know, they open the television a few minutes before and they are exposed incidentally to this news content.
0: That's super uh, funny, actually, I haven't thought about that. And also how we can see news on the tram in Helsinki or like on the metro, e- everywhere where you walk, basically. So you, you, that's a hard way to avoid the news then when it's like there in front of right. you.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's also worth mentioning that we have already another paper in, in this project of the NET project where we talk about incidental news consumption. Uh, this paper talks about incidental news consumption and show that mm-hmm. it's not a, a, a binary thing, but it's a continuum. So mm-hmm. you can, as you said, you can sometimes be exposed to news without planning to mm-hmm. in Trump and uh, just walking down the street or talking with a friend. But the people who are more against or distrusting the news will block even this kind of exposure and we also see it in in the interviews in this paper so for example there was um this young female who Mm -hmm. told me about how she blocked her best friend on whatsapp because she kept sending her news stories and she didn't want to be exposed to it so they're willing to even you know to even block their family members and, and friends in order to keep themselves uh, from the content. But if you're more, I mean, this is again, the, the distinction between the content avoidance and the media avoidance, because if you're not avoiding because of the content, you're just not enjoying reading a newspaper or not enjoying watching mm-hmm. the television broadcast. And then you will scroll down your social media feed and mm-hmm. see a, an article there's a higher chance that you will actually click on it and will read the information. So there's also a, a like a, a diversity in this matter.
0: For sure, and and that's also interesting. What you say that it can even have like social consequences of of avoiding news that you block someone. Uh...
1: Yeah. Yeah, and some people are willing to pay these social prices because they're so anti-news.
0: But what about then uh, uh, the third main finding Mm -hmm. that you had about these young individuals thoughts and reflections on on their overuse or even like addiction to you to news
1: um this was really interesting for me because you know a lot of the previous literature and a lot of the public debates as well um regard avoiders as people who are just disinterested um they lack this civil obligation to consume the news and basically accuse them of not being interested enough in politics, in mm. current affairs. But then in this type of user-oriented avoidance, we see the opposite. We see that people sometimes avoid the news not because of their lack of interest, but because they're actually too interested. They are afraid that they would not be able to stop. Yeah. Um. They will just... Um, consume and consume and they they are just afraid basically of this overuse and even as you said um, even being addicted to the news so I talked to this one one person Mm -hmm. who said that he really wants to uh, stop clicking on the news app on his phone and he really wants to reduce the amount of news consumption because logically he realizes that nothing Mm. will change in you know, half an hour or 10 minutes. You don't need to check it every mm-hmm. every single time, but it just can't stop it. And it needs to do this detox as you do with other addictions. So this was a really interesting, yeah, an interesting finding. And it's also, you know, it's another form of avoidance, which is not directly linked to the news content per se, but it takes into account the digital content context, um, the, the, the the saturated media environment that we are all uh, consuming. So when you're always connected to the screen, to the smartphone, to the social media, um, sometimes you just feel like it's too much and you're addicted to it and you mm-hmm. want to take a break. Yeah.
0: And I guess they are very reflective on that part, these individuals that they actually know that they might have a problem. So they are doing something about it as well.
1: Yeah. And it's not always related only to news. So because, again, on social media, there is this mixture of entertainment and news. And they just generally feel that their media consumption, that their technology consum- use is just too much. It's hard to really differentiate between the entertainment consumption and the, the news consumption. They just feel like they need to take a break.
0: From the screen. Exactly. So so that was the part of this also what you then concluded in your findings that it's uh, they are so connected that you're not just fed up of uh, like I mean reading the newspaper, but uh, but you're like you want to turn off everything right. Then.
1: And actually we saw see a lot of papers and a lot of studies that talk about which talk about how you know the consumption yeah. is connected. So news consumption and entertainment consumption are weaved together in this digital environment. But I think that what our findings maybe can teach us is that also the avoidance of this content is combined uh, in this kind of environment. So when you try to avoid entertainment, when you try to reduce the social media use, when you try to reduce the entertainment use, you also indirectly reduce your your news uh consumption
0: like your study concludes uh is that uh, these young adults are thinking about some kind of detox and to use it more wisely and less consumingly uh, on your on yourself
1: exactly so there's a um for example we talked to this person her name her her pseudo name is yael Uh, she works in a book publishing company and she just she saw the coverage of Mm -hmm. a terror attack she described this uh you know very uh, hard image Mm -hmm. of a teddy bear with blood and she just immediately decided that she is not consuming news anymore but she's still very interested she's still very informed she feels like it's a Um, this civic sense of belonging to Israel and to keep up with the news. And she just relies on her Facebook feed. So she says, um, and I quote, I always assume that if something very big happens, if there is a terror attack, I'll probably find out about it because someone will put a sad song on Facebook, someone will write something to commemorate them, uh, someone will change the profile picture to the Israeli flag. So if something is big enough, I'll find out about it. And I think that this is a really strong quote uh, because it shows, it captures both, you know, the Israeli turbulent context, uh, but also the digital information environment that we talked about where, where one does not necessarily needs to actively chase and consume the news in order to stay informed. You can just um you know news can come across incidentally when you use social media for other purposes
0: right yeah word to mouth um so your research would definitely probably look quite different if it would have been conducted during the pandemic but um i mean the world is coming back to uh, to normalcy slowly and and uh, we might have another view on our consumption after the past year. But but your study is also looking to the future and uh, also mentions the big buzz uh, word of attracting young audiences. What's your message uh, to them? What, what What does your study give them?
1: I mean, maybe you should ask me this in a year. Maybe it's too soon for me, but I can say that I'm just, I mean, I already know that trust um, is a big issue for audiences, is a big issue for uh, journalists. I know that they invest a lot of efforts in order to um, rebuild trust um, among their audiences. And this is also escalating really quickly. Like in the pandemic, we we have all of these misinformation and disinformation around the vaccines, around the existence of the pandemic so people like there's more and more distrust around around journalism at large and what i will try to do in the next step of my research is to um so for now i focused on on the audiences and i want to move to focus on the journalists themselves on the people who create the news and see how um, they relate to trust and how they, which practices do they use in order to build trust and in order to inspire trust among their audiences, and then maybe I will have something to say about I don't know the differences of how journalists perceive trust in contrast to the way audiences perceive trust. Um, but for now, I can say that I feel like this is um, um, I mean the the title is keywords, right? So I think I feel like trust is a. Is a really big keyword in journalism studies.
0: Thank you so much, and I I wish you uh, good luck with the upcoming research.
1: Me too. Thank you so much. And it was a really it was a really fun experience to just you know to talk about my my project and my work. And thank you for that. It's really it's really fun, and and I'm really admired and happy for this opportunity.
0: Tali and her colleagues are now about to publish their new study where they looked at how populations in Israel, Japan, Finland, Argentina and the U.S. at large tackled their news and the avoidance related to it. In the bonus segment to this episode, Tali tells more about how she did her study with qualitative interviews. You've been listening to Keywords, a podcast about research that's out there but doesn't get it enough of attention. Do you have an interesting article that needs our attention? Please DM me on Twitter at Rasmus Wilhelm, that's Wilhelm with a double U. You can find the link to Tali's article in the episode description. Now, time to log out and be offline for a while. Thank you for listening.